Hey, Christian, do you know what day it is? What is today? It's Friday. <laughs> T-G-I-double-F. <laughs> and not like it matters that much, but we don't record for two more days, so we kind of have a weekend. We absolutely have a weekend. <laughs> this is Lawrence Lewis. And this is Sister Christian. Today is Friday, April 17th, 2020. This is the Producers Happy Hour, a daily podcast with two producers on opposite coasts reaching out to our filmmaking and live event community to hear your stories about how the pandemic has affected you, your life, and your work. Your stories let us know that we're not alone. Email us, or better yet, record a one- to two-minute voice memo and send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Just follow the instructions on our website, producershappyhour.com. And please share this show with your friends, your colleagues, your family. We want these stories to be heard. They're helping us, so we feel like they're helping you as well. Christian, today we're chatting with Lauren Sick, who is a Los Angeles-based writer and director. Yeah, she's uh, signed for commercially with Greenpoint Pictures, which we know is a mm -hmm. solid company here yep. in New York. And yep. I've worked with her several times now, and I think her perspective is going to be quite interesting because she now lives in L.A. and, you know, was in the middle of a project. So we're going to be able to hear all about that. Exciting. So outside of that, it's the end of our fourth week. Christian, how are you feeling? Oh, yeah. I guess that is, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, just I'm going to go ahead and disclose that I have a bit of a cough and I feel like it's, you know, allergies or maybe it's some dust kicking up. Maybe it's the excitement of the kittens have arrived. Mm. I'm not sure which it is. So if I um, clear my throat or cough a bit during the today's show, I apologize for that. Okay. Um, otherwise, feeling good. The last couple of shows, I may have been a, a bit heated over the frustration that I've been feeling. And, yes. you know, it's never my intent or it's never our intent to become political. And we certainly aren't journalists, right? Right. But we're voicing the frustration that we feel personally, understanding it may not be everybody's point of view, but in the end, I'm still feeling, <laughs> you know, the frustration. I'm just yeah. a little bit, I have frustration fatigue today, if that makes yeah. sense. Oh, it absolutely does. Yeah. At some point, being angry and being frustrated takes so much energy. At some point, you just kind of have to throw up your hands and just... Just let it go. Let it go. And I don't For mean... <laughs> I don't mean let those in charge who are doing things you don't like go unchecked. You still have to stand up for yourself. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you just need to take care of yourself, relax. Right. And let go of some of that anxiety and stress, right? Yeah. And just try to work through how you're handling the situation. And I, I guess, you know, given this outlet that we have to discuss it every day has, this week has been even more so than the last few weeks of just opposing information and facts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so the frustration level got to here and today I'm just too tired to be frustrated by it. Yeah. Outwardly. <laughs> I'm <gonna> say that. <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> I'm okay. I think I feel just, I think I, it's exactly what you said. I have frustration fatigue. I, I had a long chat with a good friend of mine yesterday about all the problems and issues and what to do coming out of this. And how do I reinvent myself coming out of this? Do I want to do the same thing? Do I want to do these small five-person shoots? What do I, what do I want to do? So I just had a nice long, like three hour chat with somebody while I made dinner. That is and, an intense you know, think, conversation to have. It is. It is. I mean, you know. I'm sure it was well warranted. and Took it lightheartedly as well. Um, but she went through the same frustrations with first the EIDL grant, getting changed mm. to the PPP program, getting unfunded. And kind of she's thrown up her hands on these grants and says that it, it just feels like we're on our own. I'm tired of filling out these forms. We just have to figure out how to make do with what we got and get some kind of money coming in somehow as soon as possible. And Hope for the best. So hope for the best, because that's all of that has played into exactly the fatigue that I feel now. Because it was okay when we thought we were getting some money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Well, the best thing we can do is, you know, stay inside and take as much action as we can. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm plucking away here on my keyboard, Christian, because you know what I'm doing. I I'm totaling up. Oh, my you're bragging i hear subscription you. <laughs> challenge i hear it coming results in. you're giving me a big uh -huh. brag do you want to run down here yes more okay. than you know all right so the first thing that i canceled was mailchimp 
Oh, so I have a okay. And I know that's not a it's an intentional business expense. I'm going to say I, I didn't cancel it because they actually offer you to pause your mm. subscription. You pause it for one year. So I'm paused for one year. That's $75 a month. Holy smokes. Yeah, because no, I have a massive... No, 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 of course. It's a, it's a warranted thing, but that's yeah. a lot of money too. That's... It's a massive mailing list for... It's like four the... bottles of wine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Three days <laughs> it's for the mass... wine. <laughs> it's a massive email list for my immersive right. theater show, The Alone Experience. Uh, mm-hmm. So they charge you based on how many people are on your list. Ah. Uh... So it's a big mm, list. It's, so it's a costly thing. <laughs> uh, Google Storage. Apparently, I've been paying $10 a month for Google Storage that I'm not using. So I got rid of that. Holy smokes. Fender Guitar Lessons. Apparently, I signed up. They do digital guitar lessons. And I really haven't been keeping it up. Now would be fun, but uh, it's just not right now. So $5 a month. Mm-hmm. Also, one of the first things I canceled was my food delivery service. I had like a lunch food delivery service since I work mostly at home. Mm-hmm. Tired of spending a ton of money and unhealthy options. Right. So this was like a, a vegan, gluten-free, delicious thing. It was, mm. I had three meals a week. That was $36 a week. 36 times four, that is $144 a month. Holy smokes. Yeah, that's but like now two you, lunch deliveries but, in New York, by the way, or three maybe. <laughs> 50 yeah. bucks each. So that's right. For me, that was three meal deliveries because if I was to go to any of the neighborhood restaurants, it would be easily $18, $20 or like a sweet green. Yes. In my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yes. Bam. $20. <laughs> I had a Google domain that I wasn't using. 12 bucks mm-hmm. a year. So that's $1 a month. Still counts. And then I had G Suite. I was using G Suite with one of these email addresses at 6 bucks a month. I stopped using that email address. So that's gone. Vimeo. I have a mm-hmm. professional account with Vimeo, mm-hmm. $97 a year. I paused mine. I stopped uh-huh. it. You can pause it. So that's $97 a year. That's $8 a month. May I ask, when you pause it, you can still host things, right? You're just not adding or... You're, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's paused until a certain time. And then if you don't restart it, you'll lose all your storage. Oh. I don't know if that means they'll delete all your stuff. I don't know what happens beyond that. Got it. I don't. Mm-hmm. And then, much to my surprise... We accidentally subscribed for HBO at some point. Go HBO on Go. Ro- on Roku. Or yeah, on Roku. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 15 bucks a month. We have not watched it the whole time we've had the subscription. I don't know when we hit a button. I, said, I think they were giving a free trial. Yeah, and, and you uh, just watched. We watched something and then now we've been charged. Episode so, nine of season four of Game of Thrones. And then you're like. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> so then this, this totals $264 a month. That I'm saving. I mean, Lawrence, that is a overused term of inspirational, but I mean, that's a lot of money. <laughs> no, I mean, I can I, I can think off the top of my head things like that that you yeah. So I'll do mine over the weekend, and the procrastination's over. Oh, and then I also saw too that if you are in the state of New York and you've lost your insurance, you can go on to the healthcare marketplace right now and buy more if you need to. Health insurance, really? Yeah. So some states have reopened their enrollment period in case you've lost your job and you don't have it. Other states haven't. There should be a national push, but there isn't. So I think purchasing the minimum, the lowest plan, just in case you do get sick, is probably a good bet right now, even though we can't afford it. (laughs) So, Christian, I don't know if you saw, but Deadline put out an article yesterday called Reopening Hollywood. And there's a lot of interesting things in this article about like what we've been doing here is kind of fantasizing what production's going to look like when we get out of this mess and get to filming again. Yeah, I did see the article and they were they definitely were taking the complaint, I guess, that I have about craft service, which is, yes. you know, a bunch of people leaning over bowls, eating directly, you know, a chip from guacamole is like. Come on. Or like, you know, even though there's spoons in the jars, um, people are still handling those spoons. The spoon rests on your hand when you pour the nuts in there and then you put the spoon back in. You know, it doesn't help. So, yes, tell me more. Well, like you said, they they definitely went in on craft service. They said that's we're going to have to rethink that. <laughs> yeah. Sneeze guards. Oh, God. I uh, know. It was vomit. Um, <laughs> but also... Production insurance companies are probably unlikely to cover productions for COVID-19 cases when business resumes. We've been finding that out all over, right? We've talked to a lot of people and we've heard that. And it says that producers all over the country filed multi-million dollar claims when the civil authorities prevented filming from continuing and forced production shutdowns. But as we know, a lot of these insurance companies aren't paying those claims. And when they start back up, now that we know 
COVID-19 as a real threat and CDC is warning of a second wave. Insurance is not going to be a thing. So what does that mean? That means most likely you're going to have to sign some kind of rider similar to what we would sign about sexual harassment to indemnify the productions, right? Something is going to say like, you acknowledge you are going into a high density area and while we do our best effort to protect you, nothing is fail safe and you could contract COVID-19. We are not liable. I mean, of course, people are going to sign that because they need to come back to work. Right. And I and I understand that it's also not the company's quote unquote. It's not like they're injecting you with the virus. Right. But I I just think that there's so much not my fault going on in our industry anyway. Or I mean, it makes me it makes me think of the Sarah Jones situation. Right. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Camera person who lost her life because of a train accident on set when they were shooting on the railroad tracks. The producers went down for it. The AD went down for it. You know, that case... They needed to. They needed to. And they that case unpermitted. shows where the responsibility lies. You know, they're, sure, you make a corporation and, you know, you're, you might think, I'm just a freelance producer trying to produce this thing. You can be liable as a producer for, for this, and you should be liable for as a producer for these decisions you make. So, man, I don't know if I would want to produce a shoot where I have to make everybody sign a waiver saying that they might get COVID-19 by working. Right. I, uh, That's a struggle for me. It's a it's a moral struggle for me as well. Like we're, if we're already thinking about that, then we've missed the point of the great pause. Yeah. And yeah, think? I understand that the large companies need to protect themselves. So do a better job of doing it, not putting the blame on the individual walking into your facility. I am hesitant to believe that a piece of paper, A, I don't want to put somebody in the position. They need money. You have to sign this. You got to go into this unsafe thing and do this thing for me. Mm-hmm. That's already hard enough. I don't think a piece of paper is going to protect us as producers. I mean, I don't think so either. Let's go all the way down the road. Somebody contracts COVID-19 on your set and they end up passing away. Mm-hmm. Their families didn't sign that didn't sign that piece of paper. Oh, their, 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 their families, families weren't on set you. with them. They brought it home They weren't on set family. with them. Mm-hmm. They could file a civil claim for unlawful death or some sort of negligence. Right. I, I, so, I don't know. So, I just, the flip, so the, then let's play devil's advocate and say, why would the company be at fault for that? Because the company has asked everybody to come in who did not feel sick. Obviously, this can be contracted before you're sick. They can't control when people say yes, that they Mm -hmm. aren't feeling sick and come into work anyway. Right. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if instead of the letter being given, I wonder if it's this certificate that people are talking about, which is. Yeah. Here's my certificate. I have the antigens. Maybe I can work or I've been exposed. I can work. You know, that kind of thing would be a better scenario. Now, can somebody help me out with this? So maybe, Lawrence, you know that when, you know, in the 80s, when AIDS was prevalent, was there talk of like a registry or or like a testing and a certificate, those types of things? I don't know the history enough to answer that. I'm sure there was at some point some Mm -hmm. sort of national registry that people revolted against. Right. Of course. I just don't know the history, so I can't really say. Well, I just would love to see the history comparison of that, because right now there is a discussion of that. And I think that because... Because this is so contagious and it's airborne or it can be given if I'm Mm -hmm. feeling completely fine, I can still give it to somebody because I don't know. Just by talking. Just by talking. Exactly. How dare I? (laughs) That said, I think I would feel more comfortable with a certified certificate being shown to me versus me making somebody sign something saying that I'm not responsible. Yeah. Because that, you know, they could say they signed under duress. They needed the work. Right. They needed the money. Agreed. Groceries. So mm-hmm. I think the offer, and there's a moral question mm-hmm. from the production company, the producer side, to be making people sign a document when they desperately need work. Or when it's uh, in good faith effort, the production company is trying their best, but I don't know how a production company could supply a COVID free set. Yeah. Without testing people as they walk in. So that was um, something that I was thinking about the last two days was, you know, in addition to sick pay, it's obviously, you know, I know it's happens in L.A., but it doesn't happen everywhere in the country yet. Medic certified nurse, you know, mm-hmm. somebody, yep. a nurse NA or a PA, PA meaning physician's assistant. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not that PAs can do everything. <laughs> no. But no. a production assistant, a, a, I'm sorry, 
a physician's assistant who could, you know, administer these tests. And that mm-hmm. part of the cost is us getting these rapid tests that happen exactly. within a minute. That's another scenario the article talks about. They also talk about a health questionnaire, a temperature check, and onset hygiene training. <laughs> a health professional will be on set to hover around and check for fever or symptoms. All these ideas in this article, it's interesting to read because it really kind of starts to paint a picture of what it's going to look like. And then, of course, it talks about the legal hurdles and the privacy issues. It all comes into play about, you know, you shouldn't have to disclose whether or not you have a disease. That's personal health information, right? Right. It is. At some point, your personal health information versus the public health in being part of a working society. Right. Exactly. Talks about craft service, lunch. Meals (laughs) Meals <laughs> might be kind of more single serving, pre wrapped, boxed meals, you know, that we used to have. And that we give 300 extras on Verizon uh, commercials or something. Or yeah. music videos or something. Uh, Lunch breaks might have to be staggered, which, FYI, to everybody out there, that never works. Never staggered. Never works. Stupid. Everyone talks about it all the time. Oh, we'll just stagger lunch. Doesn't work. You can't roll camera without the focus puller or. Without wardrobe. Yeah, or somebody always gets the fucked. Talent. It's, somebody always gets fucked. And it's usually so, camera department. Yeah, that never works. This article also talks about using LIDAR mm-hmm. for visual effects to kind of create sets. Maybe we do a lot more stuff virtually, so we're not traveling. We're not going to locations that we don't know the health of that neighborhood. Uh-huh. All kinds of ideas in this article. But it ended with something really kind of heartwarming. It said, after a similar production shutdown during the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918, Hollywood reopened. And eventually it got back to normal a year or so later. So definitely it was a different time back then, much simpler for the industry to get back up and running. But I think it gives us a little bit of hope that it's going to take a while and it's going to take a lot of considerations, but we'll get there. Christian, our friend Susan Anderson sent us an article called Where Are the Cameras Rolling Now? It's on LBB Online Mm -hmm. and it's put out by PSN, Mm -hmm. which is Production Service Network. They put together a worldwide guide to live action on location. So it lists countries that you are allowed to film in right now. It's Australia, China, Mm -hmm. Taiwan, South Korea, Brazil, Cuba, Iceland, Costa Rica, and Uruguay. And then it's got this chart on here that tells you how many... Of course, Brazil. Sorry, I had to say that. But of course, (laughs) I mean, they're doing it completely wrong down there. And it looks like, and now I have the chart in front of me, it looks like they don't even have a crew cast limit. Like you give hundreds of people. Oh could be my God, down you're there. right. I, yeah. yeah. So on this chart we're looking at, there's a crew cast limit. So Australia's 10, China's 50, Taiwan, Germany, and Brazil have no cap. So you can have as big a shoot as you want. A few of these are for studio shoot only. Most of them are allowing you to do location shoots. It's interesting. I'm sure it's based on, you know, what your parameters are. Yeah. But still, I mean, I'm surprised Germany's doing this. I know. I, you yeah. Know. I mean, I understand um, South Korea and Taiwan for sure. Uh-huh. And Australia, we spoke to Michael at Revolver yeah. about this. And it, yeah, I think uh, if you're doing it in a controlled, safe controlled, way. safe way. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's okay. But I don't know what controlled and safe is. So we're going to put a link to both of these articles in the show notes. And also join our Facebook group. I've been posting some of these articles in our Facebook group so you guys can read them yourselves. That is it. Should we move on to taking some action? Yeah. So take action on our website, producershappyhour.com. We have a page called Take Action. We have a list of resources, petitions you can sign, information on the CARES Act and places you can donate. I'm sure you guys have heard me talk about it quite a bit, but no rent, NYC, cancel rent. The petition's still there. Mm -hmm. It's April 17th. Get on it, folks. Live Events Coalition has a petition as well as PLSN and FOH Magazine. They have this impact study. Those are for the live event industry folks that are listening. Donate blood. It's very important. Whether you've had symptoms or not had symptoms, either way, they can use your blood for a variety of things right now. Save the U.S. Post Office. There's a petition there to save the U.S. Post Office because behind the scenes, some members of Congress are trying to defund and privatize the post office, which can be a huge problem for vote by mail, medications by mail, all kinds of issues. That one's important. I'm going to say go do post office. And then also Globetops.com. Globetops (laughs) offer, they're a nonprofit where you can donate your old laptops or iPads to help educate kids. We have a bunch of other stuff on there. Please check it out at our website, producershappyhour.com. Take action page. Let's get on with our interview, right? 
Yes. Very excited about this one. Yes. Lauren Sick is a Los Angeles-based writer and director known for her music video work with artists such as Chromio, Foster the People, A-Track, American Authors, Vampire Weekend. She has recently directed the first teaser trailer for MGM Studios' biopic Respect, starring Jennifer Hudson as Aretha Franklin. That's so cool. So cool. Lauren grew up in the dark woods of suburbia, screening inappropriate horror movies at slumber parties. A lover of horror and genre filmmaking, she was a creative collaborator on the feature film Scare Me, starring Josh Rubin, Aya Cash, and Chris Redd, which premiered at the Sundance Film Festival in 2020. She is also a featured director on Alma Herrera's platform Free the Work, which amplifies the voices of women and minority creators in the film industry. Let's take a listen. Hey, Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. For sure. I'm psyched to be here. First thing we'd like to do is check in with you, see how you're doing, how your family's doing. I know that you're based in LA now. I think you're in Lawrence's or close enough to his neighborhood. He's in Los Feliz. Oh, yeah. You're in Silver Lake. How are you doing? What's happening? I'm okay. You know, fortunately, uh, I'm healthy. My boyfriend who I live with is healthy. My my family, both our families are are doing okay. Every day is a new sort of emotional adventure. I've been like quite like scattered. I think there's like this process that I go through where I'm trying to like pinpoint what my emotions are every morning. So I kind of Mm -hmm. go through this weird like ADHD process where I'm like, I feel like I have to kind of do (laughs) multiple things in order to even like access my emotional state for yeah. for the day it, it's an it's an interesting well <laughs> i mean throw one of those biore like nose strips in and boy you've you've just named my morning <laughs> yeah. exactly so, so that's our emotional states um lauren mm-hmm. give us a quick background on yourself and your career path and everything that kind of led us to before the pandemic hit well, I was uh, a producer. Well, I started as an actor, actually, as a, as a kid and through through college and, and just after college and then started producing. Mm-hmm. I was a, a freelance producer for a couple of years doing a lot of music videos and branded stuff and some short films and things like that. Always kind of knowing that I wanted to, to write and direct. So that was mm-hmm. kind of the, the ultimate goal. I think, you know, I started producing after after not really getting any interesting roles as as an actor or, or ones that just didn't really, you know, satiate my need for control. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, transition from, from producing to directing maybe eight years ago now, it's been, been a long time and have been a freelance director ever since. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. And so did you have any projects in the works, you know, in the mid March time, were you pitching on stuff or were you in the middle or were you you know, on a job. Yeah, big time. I um I was supposed to be shooting a film actually, uh mm-hmm. that was a week away from from production. Uh that oh. we had to that we had to shut down. I, I remember our uh our pre pro meeting was on the twelfth. Um <laughs> Thursday and <laughs> yeah Thursday. Thursday before Friday, capital F. And it was Friday Friday the 13th. 13th. Yeah, I know. Everyone will remember it as such. But I I just remember how swiftly the news moved that day because you know, I had had my crew all together. We were ready to go. We were getting the schedule down. We were, you know, working through everything and kind of sort of being like, this, you know, this could happen, right? This could still happen. Like it's, it's only, you know, five, six days away. And and that was at, you know, 2 p.m. that Friday. And then by 9 a.m. the next morning, we had, we pulled the plug. Yeah. Yeah. Things happened really quickly between that Thursday and Friday. So that's when things really started to shift. Yeah, for sure. So, so that was disappointing because, you know, it, it had been in the works for quite some time and uh, had an amazing cast and crew lined up. And, but, you know, in addition to that, I had, I had a lot of commercial projects, mm-hmm. many gigs that were actually for the Olympics, which have obviously been, yeah. been postponed. Uh-huh. So, uh, yeah, I, I think I had, in, you know, including the film, four or five jobs that were lined up that, that, that died. Yeah. And for any freelance person, I mean, that's just, that's a ton of like, oh, my spring's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been having any conversations with any of those people or 
any new people about potential projects, either during quarantine, remote jobs, or maybe something down the line? Are there any conversations happening of rescheduling or new stuff? Yeah. I mean, what's cool, I mean, especially about the film is, you know, like I'm, I'm in touch with my lead actress and she's still really excited Mm -hmm. about it. There are people in my art department who are reaching out. We had to create like some paintings for the production design and, and, you know, they're sending me specs and showing me references, uh, you know, and, and so that, that's just been nice to kind of feel like things are still happening and there's still enthusiasm around, you know, all the projects that were, Mm -hmm. that were meant to happen that, that are put on a sort of indefinite pause. And, you know, in terms of new projects, I'm pitching on a remote, (laughs) remotely directed music video. Um, where Mm, the the artist would shoot it in his home and I would just be, you know, available via Zoom to to direct him and, Mm -hmm. you know, have me me and my DP collaborate and and figure out where to put the camera, the the iPhone, let's be real. Um, And yeah, yeah, so that, you know, that's interesting. And it's it kind of like really forces you to get creative about what's possible. You know, I'm a very visual person director. But there's something kind of cool about the fact that like in this time, we don't have any of our usual tools and tricks and bells and whistles at our disposal. And it, it makes the story tantamount, you know, which, which it should be. And I think like a lot of filmmakers in my generation kind of, you know, so much of the work that I see is, you know, about mood and vibe and aesthetic Mm -hmm. and, and all of that is great. And I, I'm, I'm the same way, but now in particular, without that option, it's been really interesting to think about what kind of stories do we want to tell, even if they aren't going to look beautiful, you know? How do you think the uh, isolation, the emotional roller coaster, the concern about the uncertainty about future, how do you think that's affect you creatively? I think it's like, like we said at the top, you know, every day is a sort of uh, (laughs) surprise because, (laughs) because there is so much uncertainty and I, to be honest, I don't feel a ton of pressure to create, to mm-hmm. write, to produce, you know, to be productive because I, I think that this moment, as devastating as it is, it's here and it's unavoidable. Right. And mm-hmm. I think that there's an unwillingness on, on the part of many to sit with it. And to like be quiet with yourself right. and see what arises. So in a sense, that's kind of part of my creative process mm-hmm. is like mm-hmm. not being creative and allowing myself to like journal or to, you know, sit outside and literally like listen to the quiet, which is eerie right. and yep. weird. But, you know, you hear, I'm lucky to be in LA, you hear nature sounds, you hear whatever, you know, and like I've been ingesting more than I've been outputting. and. It's frustrating some days for sure, because I'm like, oh, I just, I want to, like, I, all I want to do is write, it, but I can't exactly get there. Right. And, but I think that these moments, these weeks, months, <laughs> however long it'll be, mm-hmm. yeah. will, will ultimately result in something or amount to something. And I'm trying to just kind of have patience with that process and like, I don't know, just dig into the like humanity of the moment, for lack of a better word. No, I I mean, that makes a lot of sense because everything's in a state of partial completion. Anything that I start is in a partial completion state. Mm -hmm. And so allowing myself, like you said, the space to understand that whatever pressure that I'm putting on myself is (laughs) self-pressure. Nobody else is doing this, yeah, and I'm. Absolutely. A, I've always said that. I know. Absolutely. Is, here's a sister Christian for everybody who knows me, but I'm above other people's judgment because what I do to myself is way harsher than what anybody else can do. <laughs> I mean, I can judge yeah. myself so Ooh, I know, and so true. like I walk into a room and I'm just like, I whatever. Look at this, you know, because it's true. <laughs> like I don't care about those kinds of things. What I do though is not give myself a break. And I've discovered during this time, the great pause is that the most valuable thing that I can do for my own mental health is to give myself a break. Yeah, one hundred percent. And what you were saying, Lauren we mentioned this before in the show. I think it was a couple articles that I may have read uh, previous to the pandemic saying that people have forgotten. We've turned in this culture of busyness, right? 
just like you said, we've got the scripts and we got this thing, we got mm-hmm. emails and we got all this, all these uh, responsibilities. We've lost the art of just sitting and thinking and daydreaming and journaling. And that is a huge component of creativity. And it seems to be lost among our culture. So you saying that that's what you're doing right now and you're exercising that is great to hear because I think that's a really important part of the creative process. Yeah, and it's it's kind of being imposed upon us, right? I mean, right. For, for, yeah. for those for that us, are mm-hmm. for those that are able to acknowledge that and, and heed it, right? And not spend 16 hours a day buried in our Twitter feeds, you know, which is really yeah. easy to do, you know, because it's I really think easy, when yeah. people are... A, we want distraction and, and B, we want answers. And, we, you know, we feel like ceaselessly looking into the void of our, you know, internet mm-hmm. search is going to cause some enlightenment. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, we're all grasping yeah. for a date or a schedule. Yeah. Or a, okay. That, that, when can we Especially the done? producers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That little piece uh, that's missing from inside our hearts or souls is not going to be found inside the internet. I yeah. can guarantee you that. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, yeah. I may still look. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. I mean, There's I not still appreciate Netflix, you know, but. <laughs> of course. Of course. <laughs> now is when I insert the <laughs> my joke of Lawrence has finished Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I watched all of Netflix. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is impressive. I know. He said it once, and now it's haunting him for a month. I know. And I actually, honestly, I don't think I've watched anything. I know. Since I haven't. Mm, I mean, uh, do you find yourself taking these moments, like taking these moments and not feeling guilty about them? Or do you still have that baggage, too? I feel guilty sometimes. I think, you know, so my partner is a, is a director as well. And, uh, he, he's two a, directors in a house. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. Writer, directors. Exactly. Um, nice. he, he actually just wrapped a, a film. He's in post right now. He's doing like a remote edit. You know, they're so fortunate. I mean, had coronavirus happened two weeks earlier or the production had started two weeks later, you know, they they wouldn't have been able to complete the movie. That's really, really fortunate. But he's working, he's working 10 to 6 every day. He has an actual tangible project and product that he's making and he's he's really lucky so many people don't have a project like that to concentrate on and mm-hmm. put their creative efforts toward so i think like so, some days when i see him you know like working really hard on something and and he has something to show for himself like during mm-hmm. this time it's it's that kind of outside right. pressure it's nothing to do with him it's just me right. like christian right. said you know putting mm-hmm. that pressure on myself mm-hmm. and then starting to feel feel guilty so that'll creep in a little bit, but you know, I think overall, I I am allowing myself the oh, time good. to pause. And then, you know, it's surprising. Like there was a day a couple of days ago where I, I've been having this idea for a script, and I wrote ten pages in a day, and that wow. and oh, it came great. seemingly out of out of thin air, you know. And I <laughs> and I think you know, so some days we'll be uber productive, and others will be very quiet. And I think that that's just kind of the process. So one thing that we've been chatting about on this show and surmising, fantasizing, I don't know, (laughs) is what production is going to look like as we come out of this. You know, I don't know if it's, you know, you can shoot with a crew of 10, then maybe a crew of 50, maybe you can get back to normality. Do you have any thoughts on that in in terms of your workflow and how you like to work? Are you comfortable with shooting on your own or is that part of your wheelhouse? Well, you know, I'm fortunate to... The production company that I'm signed with for commercials, they have like a very independent sort of spirit. They can make a lot happen with a little, you, with, you know, fewer. Can you say who that is? Oh, yes. It's Greenpoint. Greenpoint Pictures. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're great. They're great. And that that's kind of been part of their DNA is like, they'll, they'll make it work. They know how to be scrappy. I feel really fortunate to be a part of that team, not only for that reason and for what the future of production might look like, but they're also like, it's such a family over there and they Mm. really, really care about their directors. And I know that they're kind of looking for opportunities for us to, for whatever the landscape might look like in the next couple of months. And Christian can attest to this. It's tough. Like we, you know, we shot a job this in a couple months ago where, 
there were four people squished into a car with a with a hostess tray, you know, hanging off the side of the car. <laughs> I know. And, you know, like my AC was practically sitting on my lap and we were looking over each other's monitors. I mean, that closeness that, we you know, especially when you're under a time crunch and the sun is going down and you yeah. gotta get it and you're, you know, you're all in the trenches together. I mean, that's something I love about filmmaking and and you know mm. the people i work with is that sort of sense of like camaraderie and closeness and and that's that's not going to be possible for a really long time i mean maybe we'll all end up being fucking you know tabletop food photographers yeah. or something all the recipes that people are coming up with with their like you know covid <laughs> cookbooks or whatever the hell. Uh, like i know i'll just you know take pictures of that i'll make the movie <laughs> No, well, I don't want your sourdough starter. Oh my god! If somebody <laughs> offers me like Fine. sour, I mean, literally, I got offered it at least three times. I'm like, I'm gluten free, yeah. thank you very much. However, no, I'm not going to be baking. The one thing that I know about not, myself yeah. is that I'm not going to be baking bread. I know that. I just know. Um, I can't. I mean, I, I think there's like kind of a. I mean, this is a total tangent, but like a bit of a lack of sensitivity when you see people's like really elaborate, fancy food feasts that they're posting uh, on the internet. Right. A friend of mine was talking about this. You know, she was like, "I don't know how to how to post on Instagram right now because like we all you know know that we're privileged to a certain degree, but then you see in San Antonio people are lined up at a yes, food bank yes. trying, trying to get for trying to feed their families, yeah, yeah. and it's like yes, yeah. there's definitely a balance that you can do. I mean, I think we do. You know, we want to feel better. So there's certainly things that I want to, you know, see, but on the same token, you want, you need to balance that with sensitivity mm -hmm. and donating your time yeah. or there's the balance that you can have so that you feel good about yourself, which yeah. I think is important right now. And I mean, yeah. right. Yeah. So is there anything you'd like to change about how we used to work moving forward? A lot of the issues that I had with the, the way we work prior to the pandemic were kind of in the pre-production and the post-process right. anyway, you know, like the way that, you know, jobs would be bid on or awarded and, and sort of, you know, sometimes some of the agency processes and client processes, just the way that things can get dragged out or, or creative can change or, you know, there's lots of sort of expectations from the production company and, and, and directors during that sort of stage of winning the job. So it wasn't it, it was so much about, about the physical production. And I think the issues with the physical production that are obviously going to be, a, right. you right. know, what we need to deal with moving forward. But I do hope and already sense that there's a burgeoning sort of just sensitivity toward one another, you know, and, and, yes. and, a, and a real respect for people's time. Because if anything, you know, if this thing has taught us anything, it's that people's time is unexpectedly limited. And I hope that people will come out of this just valuing each other more. Well, I think that what we can do too, as the, the people on the set who kind of set the tone are mm -hmm. to lead by example, too, and just speak up whenever we see poor practices and things. Not that we haven't done that before, but I think it starts initially with even before we get onto set, just okay. explaining that, you know, we need to keep it to a 10 hour day, or if somebody's not feeling well, then they should get paid to not come in. Yeah. You know, there, there are just things that I think we can do as leaders on set to set the mood too. You know, I was kind of shocked to hear that, you know, the, the week that I shut down my, my production, mm -hmm. that there were, there were agencies that were following through with shoots. That oh week. yeah. Wow. So many, yeah. you know, cause I was posting some, some things on social media and I had friends that were reaching out and being like, I have a shoot. It was, you know, we were talking about Friday the 13th. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. These jobs were, were scheduled for Tuesday and Wednesday of the following yeah, week. Me. And people were reaching out, you know, people that I've had on my crew and other friends, you know, DPs, actresses, whatever. And, and they were like, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. But it felt very, yeah. very irresponsible. And, you know, I had, I had a friend who got cast in, in a commercial spot. You know, they went through the whole process. She, she went on set and halfway through the day, they decided to stop rolling 
send everybody home. So they paid for the whole thing. And then the project obviously will never come out. And they put everyone at risk of infection by putting them in the same room. That's the leadership that I think that we need is like, I think that a lot of times production companies in order to get the job will agree to do things and then leave it up to the crew to say yes or no. Right. And I think that that we can take that back and say, sorry, we're going to be the leader or the moral voice here saying that we advise against doing this. I'm sure they can find somebody to do it, but the quality won't be the same. But exactly. again, you know, this is utopia. We're talking about heaven. I did. I found that like when I was sort of voicing my concern about this and I made it public, so many people responded and were so appreciative. I mean, they're, Agency creatives, agency producers who I didn't mm-hmm. even know were reaching out to me on Instagram and being like, I'm sorry, this responsibility is falling on you, but I've also tried to tell my bosses and, and tell our client that we don't think it's responsible to, to be doing this. And right. those clients weren't planning on going to set. Anyway. Anyway. Exactly. Right. They were just it was the remote at all. From home wow. And you their guys travel, they had, I mean, companies, is AT&T uh, as early as end of February, shut down travel for any work-related travel. So companies had started doing it way before we did, two weeks oh, before yeah. we heard anything from the government. I had a, a girlfriend who, she's a director as well. She directs a lot of music videos and she was booked to do something. She is based in L.A., um, and they were flying her and crew to Nashville. And th- she's like, you know, it was a crowded bar scene. And there were four talent <laughs> at the age of 70. And what? Yeah. And, oh. and she, she actually said to the commissioner at the record label, you know, she's like, I got to pull the plug on this. Like, I, I'm sorry. I feel like you guys should be the ones to do this. But as the yeah. director, I don't feel comfortable putting my crew in this position. So, it, I, and I was proud of her. I think that that was the right thing to do. They, they had no problem sticking everyone on a plane and, and yeah. flying them to Nashville. You've spoken a lot about crew. I don't know if you have a crew that you're always with, like if you're tight with your crew, if you check in on them. But do you have any words of advice for crew members out there or other directors and filmmakers? How to weather this time, whether it's creatively or just mentally getting through this? It is really, really tough. I mean, I think so much about, you know, we as producers and directors, especially if we have like a decent first quarter, we have some padding, you know, but I think about like the makeup artists and the grips and the ACs and like, it's really a tough, tough time. Mentally, you know, I could give all the sort of advice I gave earlier about, you know, just Mm -hmm. sort of sitting with it, finding the things that bring you happiness, doing all the stuff like the cooking and the connecting with friends and the Zoom calls and the, you know, <laughs> the Zoom keeping, calls. keeping up with your clients <laughs> and, and keeping up with your, you know, the people that hire you. That That is important for sure. But I'm, I'm kind of just trying to do what I can. Like I'm, you know, a friend of mine owns a, a small production company and he asked me, they're, they're doing this weekly call for submissions for films. Of, of people who are like pretty underrepresented uh it's called crew love mm-hmm. and i've been asked to be a guest curator um for that so and we're opening it up to like a huge swath we're trying to get free the work to like post about it and and really going through and choosing films that aren't necessarily seen or like you know like we're really trying to level up before this mm-hmm. happened mm-hmm. and and then this hit and they were making like great strides but but now it's like it's so hard for setback. them to get their work seen and it yeah it's a massive setback it's really cool what what he's doing uh the production company is called byt and bright young things and yeah they're you know really shining a light on some lesser known filmmakers who are just trying to stay relevant and stay in the you know front of people's minds for when when this is over I'm trying to just like get the online community, you know, staying connected and sharing yeah. some of their past work. I did this little initiative on Instagram just for whoever wanted to participate. We're asking them to share some stills from their previous work that sort of encapsulated what they're feeling in in this moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I got some really nice responses from that just about how nice it was to kind of remember the things that they've already achieved and like take a moment to be proud of that. And I think that when they do look back at that, it kind of gives them a bit more hope for whenever this is all over and they can get back to work. Yeah. 
Yeah. Looking through those was amazing. P.S. <laughs> so yeah, I know. Great yeah. yeah, I know. It just makes you, I mean, listen, we've, we've all been doing this for a while, right? Sometimes in production, you tend to remember the, the worst jobs because <laughs> those, you know, stick in your mind and you're like, you want to talk about them and tell everybody, well, no, my job's worse. Or did you ever have this, you know, <laughs> yeah. but in the, <laughs> oh, this time, but in the end, um, remembering the really good jobs and like who you connected with crew wise. And when Lawrence and I met, like, those are the real, you know, the real takeaways of doing what we do for a living as well. Yeah. If there's ever, I know that there's a, a BCV before coronavirus and, you know, and after and what we thought of as everyday normal is going to change moving forward, right? But once we can start to get back out in society, what are you looking forward to? to most to doing I want to go this to can the be... movies <laughs> <laughs> you knew right away I, didn't you yeah. yeah actually I so my my boyfriend got back from shooting his movie and our last date before you know everything went right. to hell uh was we went to Alamo Draft House to see yes. Invisible oh. Man which was oh. it was our okay. yeah uh, and and got a massage and those were just I mean, especially going, you know, somewhere and having a bunch of having somebody touch you, touch you. Yeah. Um, yeah. like that, you know, the, those two used to outings, be every Friday night. Yeah, yeah. those two <laughs> outings felt very much like, wow, that you know, that kind yeah. of that kind of evening won't won't happen for for quite oh, wow. right. I mean, what we yeah. used to think of as uh, simple. I mean, not even simple, but just like, okay, let's just do this. Has now become like a, a treat almost, or like, yeah. yeah. Or like, you know, something as simple as let's get groceries and not have to like hose them down before we bring them into our house. <laughs> like, or let's take out the garbage. It's like, okay, well, where's the gloves? All right, let's suit up. Don't yeah, there's the a doorknob, I guess, because then I'll have to clean the doorknob. I don't know. Do I have to clean yeah. the doorknob? How does this work? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, it's man, funny. It's, so it's true. true. It's just like, or... Oh, do I have to step out into the street in Brooklyn to avoid the person who's walking who isn't On the you know, wearing a mask and they're like breathing heavily? Yeah. Right. There's many things that it would be great to not have to think of. But in this time of heightened awareness, we're all dealing with so. Yeah. yeah and I just I, I wonder how just like emotionally and mentally, I, I wonder Obviously, having this this shutdown happen, it's been very difficult. And, you know, we all feel like the rug was sort of pulled out from under us. And we have no solid leadership from our government, which makes it all the more frustrating. But um, (laughs) I wonder about the reintroduction to society and the reestablishing of of normalcy. I I feel like that is going to be its own new layer difficult like absolutely no like the paranoia and the stranger danger and the you know like it just feels so like (laughs) you know and it's so sad you know no one wants it is it is but i think the the one thing i think we can gather you know the what the one little hope is we'll all be doing it at the same time yes right so yeah, we're all in the same boat, man. And it's it's all about empathy, compassion, you know? Yes, <laughs> agreed. Lauren, yeah. thank you so much for your time today. Yeah, thank you I so really much. This was amazing. Your with us. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> Well, that was just lovely. I know Lauren is a was a nice <laughs> was. dose of fresh air. <laughs> yes, yes, and a neighbor, and a neighbor of mine. Yeah, and so I think that understanding your limitations, as she does, like you know the the supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to be yeah. doing this, and I you know, yeah. Yeah. versus what I whether I feel like it or not. Um, she's. It sounds like she's even though she's still quote unquote struggling with it. She's she's found a balance. Yeah. Yeah. You know, she echoed something we've said many episodes ago, like allowing yourself to just be during this time and sit and look out the window and journal. And that's where creativity sparks. I think that's a really important thing that we come back to. I noticed a a change in myself when the technology changed to we were all of a sudden available 24 hours a day because of texting and emails and Slack messengers and Zoom calls and all this kind of stuff that it changed my anxiety level. Yes. And to be able to step away from that now and not be busy 
and just sit and think and allow yourself to just exist, I think is a really precious thing. I know people are struggling, but I think that is a, a very important thing to acknowledge during this moment. Agreed. It's hard because, you know, I can remember when when 24 hour availability became the norm, people yeah. would say stuff like, just don't answer your phone or just don't check it. And I'm Oof. like, or just don't respond. Like, <laughs> yeah, like you don't know yeah. me. <laughs> like, don't presume <laughs> to understand right. that the moment I see something, I have to take care of it or else the anxiety level goes up 14 notches. Yeah. Right. And so I keep going back to also Emily Plunkett Fleischer saying that she put down her items <laughs> at 6 p.m. and put it away. Yeah. And yeah. that to me is just like, that's the fantasy, I think. Allowing myself to think that I have the option of not working 24 hours. Right. Because I, yeah. I think that a lot of us had gotten to the point where, especially in production, we have to be this so that we get the next job. Right. Yeah. I do like that Lauren took the initiative to say that her film was was unsafe. It's very responsible. Yeah, that, that, is, that is really responsible and really important. And I think... It's also scary. You know, it's also scary. But the, to your point, you know, and this was a conversation we had privately about working in this era. Mm -hmm. You can offer this PA this job to do this thing. Mm -hmm. And it's up to them as to whether or not they feel comfortable doing it or not. And that's not the case because the morals right now, behind that are, is, yeah, morals behind the offer is in question because people are so desperate for money. Yes. People are so desperate for some purpose and normality that they will misjudge the risk and take the job. So exactly. That, Chris touched on that yesterday yeah. on yesterday's call for sure. So, so it just that, it, the offer needs to be questioned now. Exactly. The offer absolutely needs to be questioned and that we can be we can assume the leadership role that we have yeah. moving forward. It's our voice is important. It's important to be uh to speak up if you see something unsafe. We've always said that to each other, always, right? Always. And yeah. so this is where we're at with jobs yeah. right now. So special thanks to Lauren Sick for spending some time with us today. She's at Greenpoint Pictures and you can see her work on her website at laurensick.com. That's L-A-U-R-E-N-S-I-C-K.com. Yeah. That's, That's it, it for, for the show, yeah. right? Right, yeah. <laughs> so this show is edited and co-produced by Rob Bloomkey. Artwork and logo designed by Christopher Daniels. And our unused music was composed by Kyle Puccia. <laughs> we'll bring music back at some point, right? I think we should. I think we should absolutely bring back the old episodes and put the music on it for some lighthearted oh, yeah. fare. <laughs> yeah, we'll release so. those old episodes for sure. But um, some maybe point. we'll get some new music for this new, yeah. new show. <laughs> All right, everybody, stay safe, stay connected, stay active, and please stay home. Wash those damn hands and stop Wash touching them. your face. You know who you are. If you mm -hmm. go outside, it's really, really important right now for you to wear a mask. And also be sure to send us your voice recordings or your emails. Tell us your story. Share it with other people. It does help. Send it to producershappyhour at gmail.com. Lawrence, how do people get a hold of you? Me, little old me, <laughs> I'm at lawrencetlewis.com or for voiceover work, voiceoflawrence.com. Christian, how about you? I'm at sisterchristianproduces.com. All right, folks. See you tomorrow. All right. Bye.